Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of CBIA's BizCast. I'm Shannon King. Last week, I talked to Jack Ellison and Glenn Rosin of EBP Supply Solutions, located in Milford. They are a wholesale distributor of cleaning solutions for several industries, as well as a certified trainer for businesses and their employees on proper cleaning techniques and protocols. This is one of our longer podcasts, but I promise you it's an important conversation, whether you're a business owner, office manager, or employee. Jack and Glenn walk us through the differences between cleaning, disinfecting, and sanitizing, and what are the most effective ways to prevent the spread of not just COVID-19, but other diseases and illnesses that linger in offices, manufacturing facilities, and public places. For business leaders listening, they also discuss why perception of safety is critical to gaining employee and customer confidence as the state begins to enter phase two of reopening in the coming weeks. As always, please rate, review, share, and subscribe to the BizCast wherever you get your podcasts. As a final note, I wanted to acknowledge the recent events going on, not only with the pandemic, but with the civil unrest that we've been seeing across the country. Connecticut is really fortunate to have had peaceful protests and that businesses have not been looted. I've been reflecting a lot the past week, uh, specifically on what I can do better with this podcast, and I'm making it a personal mission of mine over the coming weeks, months, year to highlight Black-owned businesses and to amplify other voices of color within the Connecticut business community. Uh, Our state has so much diversity, and it's only right that this podcast reflects that diversity. This podcast was originally created to give voice to business leaders and issues. So if anyone listening would like to share their thoughts or ideas with me, uh, my email is in the show notes and my ears are wide open and I am listening and I am continuing to learn. And with that, here's my conversation with Jack and Glenn. Well, Jack and Glenn, thank you so much for being here this morning with me. How, How are both of you? Very good. Thank you. It's Friday. It's good. So appreciate the opportunity to have us today. Uh, so looking forward to the conversation. So I wanted to start with some baseline differences between a few different terms. I want to know what the differences are between cleaning, disinfecting, sanitizing, and sterilizing, and why why it's important to different, differentiate those from each other. I'll, I'll take this one, Jack. So basically, this is something, uh, one other thing that we do, just to point out at EDP, which is a critical component, not only supplying products, but we also do a lot of training. So there's a lot of misinformation out there. People don't train in the correct way, uh, don't do the processes the correct way. And if you don't do it, uh, the end result doesn't turn out right. We have, we have a saying, it's really three P's, people, product, procedure. And if all three aren't working in sync with one another, the end result is incorrect. So one of the key things that we do talk about is just that question. What is the difference? Um, I even say to people, what is cleaning? And I'll get the response, cleaning is disinfecting and it's not disinfecting. They are totally different functions. Simple definition of cleaning, cleaning is the removal of soil from contact point to disposal. That is cleaning. We remove the dirt, we remove the soil, um, and then we dispose of it somewhere else. Cleaning, we have to clean first. We can't just disinfect because if there's a soil load on the surface, disinfectants won't work. 
they will be impeded from doing their job of killing pathogens by the soil load. So the mantra and the most important thing is clean first. We must clean first, then disinfect. And just the process of cleaning will actually remove about 97% of the germs or pathogens that are on the surface. We do not kill anything with cleaning, but we remove them. And removing is very effective because if we remove them, they're no longer able to cause harm to anybody. The next step in germ remediation is sanitizing. Sanitizing will kill 99.9% of what it claims to kill. Now, they do have kill claims, and everything that has a kill claim must have an EPA registration. Otherwise, you can't be classified as a sanitizer or disinfectant. And when they are classified as such, they have claims of what they can kill, what pathogens they can kill. Sanitizers kill the least amount of pathogens, but are deemed acceptable in some environments uh, by public standards or by health standards. One of the areas we use sanitizer and not a disinfectant is food service applications. And we use a food grade sanitizer, which is safe to come in contact or if somebody would to get a little bit, ingest a little bit, that's completely safe. The next step is disinfecting. Disinfecting virtually kills 100% of what it claims to kill. And not all disinfectants kill all pathogens. Some are harder to kill than others. Uh, a common difficult pathogen to kill is something called norovirus. A lot of disinfectants do not have a norovirus claim. Disinfectants go beyond, and they basically have a virtually 100% kill of what they claim to kill. And then the next step is sterilization. And sterilization really doesn't come into play when we're talking about cleaning or disinfecting buildings. Sterilization kills 100% of everything. And how does it sterilize? It sterilizes by, by heat, by high heat, uh, where you would have an autoclave. We sterilize operating room instruments, uh, but, you know, and then it kills everything that's on there. Um, you can't really sterilize a building, obviously, and it doesn't come into play, but sterilization kills 100% of basically everything. And one key point that I always make out in trainings that they don't take operating room instruments and just go ahead and put them right into the autoclave. They clean them first. You get the soil load off of it, then you put it in, and then you sterilize. The hysteria right now is about give me, give me, give me disinfectants, and we, we've got to tell that, and we've got to have people focusing on good cleaning. You know, you know, Shannon, you mentioned early on in the conversation, a lot has changed in the last ten weeks. You know, basically, cleaning has went from the boiler room to the boardroom uh, pretty much overnight. Uh, I think every every C level suite is now talking about what is the cleaning regimen, what is the cleaning process, what is the disinfecting process on down. But we cannot overemphasize that cleaning is the critical component. And then when you get to that disinfecting stage, which Glenn mentioned, uh, you're choosing the right disinfectants. You're properly diluting that, that that product to the proper levels. But we see a lot of people doing a lot of bad things. They, they go out and they just over-disinfect. And that creates a whole other issue if you're not careful with over-disinfecting. If you're just spraying this throughout the air, you know, keep in mind, disinfectants are designed to kill pathogens, designed to kill living organisms. And if you're just going out there and just spraying, disinfecting everywhere and applying it everywhere, 
you're probably not doing the best for your facility nor for your, your staff or your, your guests to your facility. So, again, our focus is on cleaning with the proper processes around disinfecting. Um, one additional point that I think is important, too, uh, that people be aware of, all disinfectants have what, what's record, called required wet draw time. And that simply means how long it must stay on the surface in a wet state in order to be effective. So some of these things that you see, and, and people very often aren't aware of what the wet dwell time is. The standard in the industry is 10-minute wet dwell time, which very often is very difficult to achieve. And there are a lot of products that go down to as low as 30 seconds, one minute. But you need to be conscious of what the particular disinfectant or sanitizer you're using, what's the required wet dwell time. And it kind of drives me crazy when I see on the news they're going around and disinfecting surfaces in New York City, and literally you see somebody with a spray bottle in one hand spraying down the surface and immediately wiping it with the other hand with a wipe. That is not disinfecting. At no point is disinfecting ever a spray and wipe process. So you need to be conscious of what you're doing and the right processes. All of that is incredibly interesting. I did not know any of that. Um, so if I can ask both of you, what what is that balance between cleanliness and disinfecting the correct locations, um, specifically in offices or uh, facilities? And at what point is it over cleaning and over disinfecting or not being effective in actually uh, killing a virus. I mean, we are talking about COVID-19, but for any any sort of illness um, that can land on surfaces and infect people. So what what is that balance? The best way to do that and, and kind of arrive at that balance is something we call risk assessment. So a risk assessment is simply taking an inventory of a specific area in the building and what kind of the number of what we call high touch points that are in there where people are frequently touching the number of high touch points uh how frequently are people in that area um what is the vulnerability of the population if you're in a healthcare facility they're more vulnerable than say in a high school kids are pretty healthy so you do that assessment of what the potential risks are and that mandates how you're going to clean or potentially disinfect. Um, one of the highest areas for cross-contamination would be a restroom. A lot of people go in there, a lot of high-touch objects in there. So we may clean and disinfect that more frequently during the course of the day. Uh, one of the benefits and the good things about, you know, quite if there is a good thing about COVID-19, it's pretty easy to eradicate. It's not a difficult virus to get rid of. So where some, as I mentioned before, are more difficult. So sometimes, just quite honestly, um, and there are some shortages of disinfectants now because everybody's gobbling up everything they can get on the commercial end as well as buying up every roll of toilet paper that they can get. So we tell people that if you go along and clean effectively at multiple times of the day, as I mentioned before, you remove most of the that organism and other organisms as well. Uh, and I'm glad you mentioned that, Shannon, about the fact that everybody's focused on COVID-19, but tends to forget about all these other pathogens we've always been trying to get rid of. 
Um, and if we clean more regularly, you have a safer facility because you're removing it and never gets a chance to build up. But in the high risk areas, we certainly say clean it and then disinfect it. Yeah, we see, you know, we see Shannon, we also see people at Glenn's point identifying those high touch areas, those high risk areas. Um, you know, for the most part, we're not, as an adult, we're not crawling on the floor. So, you know, in an office space, is it necessarily disinfected floor? Probably not. Maybe in the bathroom, yes, but in the hallways, in the main lobbies, probably not the best use of time because if you think about it, as soon as we disinfect that, that surface, let's just call it an office building's lobby, as soon as someone walks across it, it's no longer disinfected. So uh, it's kind of overkill, if you will. I would be more focused on the door handles, more focused on the countertops, more focused on the high-touch areas that we, we all touch when we go into facilities. You know, right now, a big concern is around elevators. And, I, you know, I'd rather see someone wiping down elevator panels with a disinfectant uh, 10 times a day versus seeing someone mopping disinfectant floor 10 times a day. So those are the things that we, we're starting to look at, and we're actually out doing now uh, risk assessments for a lot of our clients and prospects because there's a lot of confusion out there. What is my first step? And without identifying those, those high-risk areas, those high-touch areas first, you're going to be wasting a lot of energy and a lot of dollars toward things that may not uh, apply to you. What is the effectiveness of disinfecting the air, or is that is that entirely possible? That's, that's a good question. I think... Um, I, I would dare guess, and again, a lot of this is optics. You know, Glenn talked about the three Ps, the people, process, and procedures, or the people, process, and products. The fourth one is perception. And I think a lot of the stuff you do see on TV, a lot of stuff you see with Glenn talking about certain markets, uh, spraying and wiping, a lot of that's controlling perception. Because at the end of the day, if I'm a property owner or a manager or I own a hotel or a restaurant, I want to control perception more than anything. And if someone sees me wiping, spraying, appearance of cleaning or disinfecting, that builds more buyer confidence. And, you know, people have choices to, to make when they go to, you know, to a particular business or businesses. And I think they're, they're going to they're gonna basically gravitate to those businesses they feel more secure at. If not more secure than their home, at least more secure than the competition. So, um, it is, I think you make a good point though, and Glenn could probably take a deeper dive on this one, but this is an airborne uh, disease and uh, the likelihood, Glenn has some stats that he's, he's done some research on, but the likelihood of getting COVID off of a surface is probably of a lesser degree than, you know, sending next to someone that's breathing that has the, as a carrier of the, the COVID. So those are some things to think about, but Glenn, you want to take a deeper dive into that? Yeah. One of the things, uh, and this studies have shown it's, really hard to define how long it stays in the air. And there's so many variables with this is how much airflow is in any given space. Is the air conditioning on where it's circulating the air? Because there's also gravity comes into play when we talk about social distancing of six feet. Well, that's what they project if somebody coughs or sneezes. The Average or the typical range of that is about six feet away. And that's why we say six feet of social distancing. Now, once if it's very still and there's no airflow, well, by gravity, those droplets that they potentially uh, are releasing fall to whatever surface it's on. So as a finite, it's a great question. And, you know, they've come out and the scientists go, they really don't know how long it does stay in the air. But if you've got airflow, it's going to dissipate, you know, rather quickly and go to a surface. 
So going around and if somebody were to immediately sneeze or cough and you had a disinfecting spray and sprayed it around there, yep, it would probably be pretty effective. But uh, that would be pretty soon after they actually had that incident of sneezing or coughing. Yeah, and you got to really watch out for the, the they, they call it re-entry time. So when we spray a chemical, again, we spray it disinfecting the air, disinfectants by nature, and they're designed to kill. So what we don't want to do is go into an environment, spray an unapproved or uh, unapproved through a, uh, a fogging device or electrostatic device, spray something that's going to be left in the air for an extended period of time or at least floating through the air for an extended point of time. And, you know, next thing you know, someone's coming to that, that space within a 15, 20-minute period, and they're inhaling that that product so we want to avoid that as well but i think to glenn's point the you're going to see a lot of more um you know you listen to social distancing distancing within the office you're going to see a lot more uh mechanical type of uh, analysis you're going to do as far as the airflow within spaces um uh, you're going to hear things about uh, putting uv uh, disinfecting devices inside of the ductwork to at least try to reduce the levels of anything that's flowing through, not just coronavirus, but other other pathogens as well. So there's going to be a lot of different things thrown out there. I will say buyer beware. Uh, there's a lot of people making a lot of money, making a lot of false assumptions, and I'm not saying that carte blanche. I've seen, I think Glenn and I've seen at least 15 or 20 ideas that just seem too good to be true. And as we take a deeper dive, uh, they are too good to be true. So I would say buyer beware. And if it does sound too good to be true, maybe get a second uh, opinion uh, because there there are a lot of people out there that are unfortunately taking advantage of the situation uh, that we're in right now uh, to profiteer a little bit. And again, not everyone's doing that. The majority are not doing that. But there are some people with uh, you maybe uh, just, just test the waters a little bit before you make a decision. Certainly. Those are all really important points for um, employers to know. I want to go back to the word that you mentioned before, perception. Employers are doing their due diligence to make sure those high touch points are disinfected um, and that their employees feel comfortable being in the office place. So, But there is also a perception issue. Uh, Employees and customers want to know that they're walking into a facility or an office space that is safe and that a building manager or the employer is doing everything they possibly can to make sure it's as safe as possible without transmission or as low of a transmission as possible of the virus. So what can employers and companies do to build confidence uh, in their employees or customers for people to be be able to go into large buildings and large uh, larger places uh, to feel confident that they are walking into a place that where they probably have a lower chance of transmitting uh, the coronavirus. How can they build that confidence? Let me run well, this first. Let me run this one, and I'll let let you try on. But I think what you're going to see, I want to I want to put this out there, and this is not being doom and gloom, but. Coronavirus is going to it's going to research. We we have to be prepared for that. Uh, I'm I'm saying that uh, you'll hear that in the news. It's going to research most likely in the fall, and to what level that's to be determined. But when we are on the down downturn, uh, until a cure or some kind of um, medication that's approved to take this, uh, we're going to probably see an uptick in this at some point. Again, to the level we don't know yet. I think those expectations have to be known across the uh, the employer base, and unfortunately, we'll see this. Uh, to that end, if I own a property, I own a restaurant, uh, I own a, a hotel, 
I really want to start looking at how do I proactively communicate uh, both maybe online through my marketing as well as having an FAQ, a frequently asked questions. Uh, you know, if I owned a Class A office tower, I would have an FAQ document, at least a page or two long, that just outlines what we're doing to, uh, to basically mediate or, or reduce the risk of uh, any kind of cross-contamination or any kind of uh, issues arising within that space. And it'll do two things. It'll help buy, uh, build buyer confidence or the employee confidence to come back in that space. But the second thing it's going to do it's going to allow those property owners, uh, the managers of the restaurants, to focus on their core business and not be answering the same question 15,000 times a day. So over-communication, the marketing angle that you can hit with it, for lack of a better word, marketing angle you can hit, uh, and just communicate to your customers or your potential customers what you're proactively doing is, is what I'm recommending. But rest assured, unfortunately, I think this thing's going to pop back up. And again, we don't know the levels. But we need prepared for it when it does research. What is the what is the action we're going to take as a as a business or as a as the government or the state, whatever it may be. And just to add on to that, you know the the perception issue. Anybody, what an individual's perception is is their reality. So if they perceive a facility is clean and safe in their mind, it is. And conversely, just the other way, if they think it's not, it's not. So another thing they can do, in addition to FAQ, um, having posters throughout the facility, uh, hand washing, uh, reminding people, wash your hands. It's the first thing that CDC tells you to do, protect yourself, is wash your hands and don't touch your face. If you do that, you will not contract the virus from a surface. The virus cannot penetrate intact skin. The only way it can get inside our bodies is through our eyes, our nose, or our mouth. So even if our hands are inundated with the virus, we don't touch our face, you will not contract it. And simple washing, and you don't need antibacterial soap, simple soap and water, washing it for a good 20 seconds, uh, getting under the nail bed, doing that, is, is a very safe protocol. But in order for an additional for this perception issue is very often, cleaning has been a behind-the-scenes event. It's done at night when nobody's there, nobody sees anything. And there was the old thing, we clean to get healthy buildings. Well, clean for healthy buildings in many areas was a perception rather than a reality. Uh, we really didn't do that. Well, now it needs to be a reality. And one of the things we tell people, have people out there during the day wiping down those touch points being very visible that they're doing that, being visible and going there and wiping doorknobs, wiping down water fountains, elevator buttons, handrails, all these high touch points is going to give that buyer, that person, that occupant uh, a level of confidence that, okay, we see this being done. Uh, we've even seen the things that uh, new innovations in the industry are uh, robotic cleaners, robotic scrubbers and vacuums. Well, historically, they've been done after hours and nobody's there and they do it. Now we see facilities starting to do it during the day. And these robots are very intuitive and they know if somebody's there, they don't run into people. But if people see robots going around during the day cleaning up surfaces and stuff, they go, wow, they're taking extra steps. So all this builds into the perception of a healthy facility. Yeah, absolutely. Those are really great points. Um, so last question I had for both of you, uh, what can employees do 
in their personal lives when they are arriving to work or when they come back home from work or a public place. Um, So obviously face masks are pretty much required uh, out in public or when going into stores or anything like that. But it starts to get fuzzy in our personal lives. Um, You know, when we're spending time with family, spending more time outside, six feet apart, our face masks required, um, you know, those touch points um, around your house when you have family members still going to work or going back to work and uh, touching doorknobs and things. So, what would you advise for employees to do uh, when they are arriving to work in case they're bringing anything into the workplace with them? And then when they are coming back home from work or public places, um, what they need to do to make sure that they don't bring that virus back into their home? You're going to hear a term, Shannon, out there that's called respiratory etiquette. I think that's going to be a term that's going to be used both personally as well as uh, in professional environments. And that's just simple, you know, Going back to grade school, if you have to cough, cough in your arm, uh, you know, wash your hands regularly. If you're in public, you know, you, you got to keep the distance there, but also you're not looking to be on top of people breathing. So you're going to hear respiratory etiquette is going to be a buzzword that's going to get more and more traction as this thing goes along. And uh, the other thing I would say you're going to see, again, going back to perception, um, if someone's sick, uh, if you feel sick, uh, you're going to find employers going to be more embracing just do not come to work because the perception is they're sick. It's not, they could have a cold, they could have allergies. And the perception is they have coronavirus and everyone around you is going to have perception that, oh no, I'm at risk. So I think you're going to see employers uh, really pushing that. If you feel sick, stay home. Uh, and I think the remote working from home is going to allow, you know, staying home to still be somewhat level of productivity uh, to go on. But those are two things that stick in my mind that, um, we go through this that you really need to you really need to think about because uh, again someone's I, I joke when i say this but when someone stumps their toe and they, they say ouch everyone's looking around saying why are you hurting is it coronavirus and again there's 50 other things that could hurt us coronavirus is just one of those but the perception that we have to deal around and you know both at home and as well as work is 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 is, is how to maintain some kind of uh uh, what am I trying to say? I guess normality about that. If I'm sick, I'm staying home. I'm not coming to work. Uh, another point about this, I think that people need to be aware of the major function of wearing a face mask is not to, it really um, has a little bit of effect, but very minimal effect on keeping you from contracting the coronavirus. What it actually is effective is keeping the people that don't even know they have it from spreading it. So if they're cough or sneeze or whatever, it's in that mask. So those droplets, and that's been shown that if you don't have a mask on and you cough or sneeze, it's going out six feet. If you have a mask on, it's basically confined right to you. So the point of the mask is uh, to protect you from spreading it to other people. And one of the major problems with this particular virus this coronavirus, which is the seventh generation of coronaviruses we had, back in 2002 to 2004, there was the SARS virus. Uh, but with the SARS virus, people were sick. They had symptoms, they were sick, they stayed home, and they didn't spread it. This, so many people are asymptomatic that they spread it, don't even know they have it, and spread it. So those are adds to the concerns about when you go to work, you don't know. Um, the feeling is it doesn't live very long on clothing, but 
if people come home from work and want to be extra safe, as just as you come into your house or your residence, take your clothes off and then wash your clothes. Um, and then, of course, the first thing to do in all getting to work, leaving work, coming home is wash your hands. If you do that, it'll mitigate any issue of spreading it or doing anything. If you've got concern that it might be on my clothes, have certain work clothes and the work clothes get washed as soon as they come home from work. Um, and that's going to keep people from bringing it into their house or spreading it around. Although the risk of doing that is pretty low. Uh, people are very concerned about everything. So that would help mitigate any concerns. Even if you felt it was on the, the soles of your shoes, um, it doesn't live very long there, but leave your shoes outside the front door. Don't bring them into your house if you have concerns there. Absolutely. Those are all really, really great points to uh, take into account. Is there anything else that you, either of you, would like to leave to business owners that are listening to this or uh, individuals that are at work every day and out in public? Well, the, the biggest thing that, that I would like to leave with people is, you know, continue the social distance. That is what's going to keep this from spreading uh, that is the way this is a, a respiratory virus. It's spread by people. Uh, you're not really going to necessarily catch it just by somebody talking, but if they cough or sneeze, that's how this is spread. So the social distancing is key. You, you continue to do that and be smart. Uh, don't touch your face. I mean, studies show that people subconsciously touch their face 25 times in an hour and don't even realize it. Some people more than that. Make a conscious effort. Don't touch your face. And every time you can, go wash your hands. Um, hand sanitizers are a alternative if you can't wash your hands, but they are not as effective as washing your hands. Wash your hands regularly. Don't touch your face. Keep that social distancing. And maybe we're going we're gonna to curb this and you can remain safe. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add to that. I think also if you're a business owner, regardless of the size, I think really focusing on those four Ps we talked about, the people, the processes, the products you're utilizing, and then the perceptions. If you focus on those four and really break it down, I, I think you can start to develop a roadmap of what you need to do to be proactive. You know, for, for the, you know, the last nine weeks, ten weeks, I think Glenn and I have been on the phone um, training, educating folks uh, nonstop. I think 12-hour days have been the norm for the last, unfortunately, for the last uh, two and a half months. But training is also a component. If that's something that, you know, any of your uh, guests or uh, listeners are interested in, uh, we do for large organizations. Again, we can't do, you know, small accounts here and there. But the large uh, office building, if it's a hospital, if it's a uh, just a large facility overall, we do assist with risk assessments. Uh, that's not an advertising form, but we are doing more and more of those as we kind of get out there and return to work ourselves from a, from a field sales standpoint. So again, it's no risk on that. We're just trying to go out there and educate people and hopefully we see value. We're bringing value to those people. Hopefully we can hopefully do some business along the way with them. So uh, feel free to reach out to us. Shannon, if you're up for it, we have a link to how to register for one of those uh, free risk assessments and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. I will definitely include that information in the show notes uh, when we publish this episode. Well, 
Gentlemen, thank you so much for talking with me today and sharing this really important information as things start to open back up in Connecticut. uh, Employers and individuals, they're looking for um, the most effective ways to disinfect and to stop the spread of this virus. So I really appreciate uh, both of you sharing your expertise um, and the latest information with our listeners today. And of course, I'm wishing both of you the best of health. Uh, thank you. It was a, it was a pleasure sp- chatting with you. And let me say, <clears throat> you asked some very, very valid questions. So um, hopefully people can get something out of this. It was our pleasure. And thank you and stay safe. Thank you, Shannon. For the latest COVID-19 information, visit CBIA.com. Follow us on Twitter at CBIA News and on Facebook. Call us anytime at 860-244-1900. Stay safe out there.